Hello there, and welcome to the St. John's Lenten podcast. It's good to be with you. Over this Lenten season, we hope you'll find encouragement and resolve to follow Christ more fully as you journey with us to the cross through this podcast. It's not an accident that the season of Lent is for 40 days and the people of Israel wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. If you remember before their time in the wilderness, they were shown by God the land that was to become theirs. But because they were afraid when they went and spied and saw the size of the people, they responded to God and said, we can't do this. They're way too strong and way too big. And I guess they were right. They couldn't, but God could. They had forgotten all that God had done for them. They had forgotten all they had seen and experienced with him. They had forgotten that they could trust God. They spent the next 40 years learning that they can trust God. And during that time, he provided for them, protected them, and was with them every step of the way. Even when they felt alone, there he was. When they were hungry, he provided. When they were attacked, he protected them. He was with them, feeding them, leading them, fighting for them, and guarding them, all so that they could learn that they could trust him. And that is our goal for you this Lent, to learn how to trust God and to know that you can so that you will experience just how different your life will be when your first response isn't to escape or seek comfort in moments of doubt or fear, but instead to learn to say, God, I trust you. Part of what we hope you find through our time together is that when we follow Jesus, we are always training in trust, especially through prayer. When we pray, it may seem like we aren't doing anything but just talking, but we trust that God hears us and that he wants us to pray that he is present with us, that when we experience failure or weakness or when we struggle or when things seem just too big, we bring those to the Lord. That is growing in trust. And each time we gather, we will look to the examples of Scripture to learn how to trust and to let our hearts be filled with his spirit of peace and courage so that we may trust in him. You may be seated as we continue in Hebrews. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the death. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss, the Father. 
father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Through the 
Please stand. As we pray, we ask Jesus to lead us to trust him more fully. We confess the ways we daily fall short of trusting him, relying on our own strength in place of resting in him. that I have to earn your love, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that I am unlovable, deliver me, Jesus. From the false security that I have what it takes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that trusting you will leave me more destitute, deliver me, Jesus. From all suspicion of your words and promises, deliver me, Jesus. From the rebellion against childlike dependency on you, deliver me, Jesus. From your refusals and reluctances in accepting your will, deliver me, Jesus. From anxiety about the future. During the season of Lent, we are called to remember our brokenness, our frailness, and we are called to turn away from our sin and to turn back to our God, to trust in Him. When this letter to the Hebrews was written, Christians were finding themselves very discouraged. They had begun thinking of giving up on Jesus. And everything they had been promised, well, most of the things they had been promised, simply hadn't come to fruition yet. He hadn't come back. Life was still hard. And worse, they were beginning to be persecuted and they were beginning to lose faith. They were beginning to not trust and so the author, after 10 chapters of why they believe, what they believe, and who Jesus is, presents them with a list in the 11th chapter, a list of witnesses and their lives, lives of faith to break them out of their discouragement, the great examples of godliness that had come before them, all from different circumstances and different personalities, but they all all of these examples had one thing in common, and that was faith. Starting off with the example of Abel, the writer reminds us that faith is not necessarily rewarded on earth, but God himself testifies to the righteousness of the faithful, for Abel's blood still speaks to us, reminds us of the value of eternity over life here on earth. Then it was Enoch, and the writer mentions that a man who enjoyed such a close communion with God fulfilled the very purpose for which man was created, and that was to have a pleasing relationship with God by faith. Then it was Noah who was warned of something that had never happened before. His faith was shown not in merely agreeing that the flood was going to come, but in doing what God told him to do regarding the flood. And the author says he was moved by godly fear and that faith does something. Then it was Abraham who stepped out in faith, going to the place God promised him. And Sarah, Sarah's faith, though not being perfect, she first laughed, right, in unbelief, and then she learned to laugh in faith. Because faith comes down to judging that God is faithful, that God is able to keep his promises. Then there was Isaac, 
who also struggled, but who by faith ended up blessing Jacob because it was what God wanted, even though he wanted to bless Esau, the manly one. How about Jacob, who had to lean on top of his staff at the end of his life because he was given a limp many years before because he wrestled with God. And as he leaned on that staff, he remembered that it was God who was great and that it was God who held his future and the future of all his descendants. So he worships and demonstrates his faith, his dependence upon God. Then there was Joseph, who when he left instructions to not be buried, so he put his coffin above ground and for 400 or so years it sat there waiting to go back to Canaan as a silent witness all that time that God would fulfill his promise and Israel was going back to their land just as God had said. And there was Moses' parents who showed faith when they perceived that this was a child favored by God and took, messages, uh, took measures of faith to save their child's life despite what the local edicts said, despite the danger. And it was that same child, Moses, who showed faith when he let God chart his destiny instead of letting the leader of the land, Pharaoh, or his own ambition to do it. And then the author gives us the Israelites who struggled as much as anyone has struggled. But by faith, they remained indoors. They didn't run or hide, but they listened and trusted in the blood of a lamb to cover them. And then they crossed the Red Sea by faith, not by courage. The Egyptians had courage and were much more better equipped, ready to take them out. But by faith, the Israelites walked across. By faith, they marched around the largest town with its biggest wall, unpenetrable, and simply shouted when told to. And then we are given a, a prostitute who might seem an unusual example of faith. But her faith is described as saving faith, as a singular focused faith, as a stable faith, as a self-denying faith, as a sympathizing faith, as a sanctifying faith. Because when the Hebrews came to spy, it was Rahab who declared, your God is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon. Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts, mountains, living in caves and in holes on the ground. And if we might just take a moment to enter the story here, all the witnesses, all of them had these, these big moments in their lives, some defining act that they did. And when we think of them, we can't help but think of what they did and want something like that. You know, it's, it's easy to feel like you could miss that, that big moment that you're supposed to have in this life. The big moments of life, the, the, the final goodbyes, the last words, the, the turning right or should you have turned left, the, the stepping out, the, get ridding, the getting ready to do it and being a part of what this scripture calls as a great cloud of witnesses. And these, oh, they didn't miss the moment. 
These stories and people were so important for us that they were written about in God's Word so that we could hear of their moments and learn to trust, to have faith, to be like them. But you know that even in these moments, those ones who lived in them, who are written about, they couldn't possibly have ever known just exactly what was going to happen. They couldn't possibly have understood how big the moment was going to be or what was, what was really going on. In hindsight, they could look back and they look back and they would tell others and it got written about so that we could read about it. Now, those who have come after them, how do we recognize the moment for ourselves? How do we make sure we don't miss our moment? Because there's so much we can't control, so much we can't predict, so much we can't see. So many questions and options, and then we get kind of paralyzed by all the wouldas and the couldas and the shouldas. And, and what, if you, what if you can look back and say, I know when the moment came and I missed it. And the moment only comes once. You can get caught up in that thinking. I think that's wrong. I think it's wrong because it's not the moment some big moment in your life that you are called to. It's the faith. It's the faith in the moment. It's the faith in the moment before the moment. It's the faith in the moments that come after the moments. The writer says that they were commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us could they be made perfect. They didn't know it was their moment. They were simply living by faith. Because it turns out the moment that defines your life is the same moment that defined each and every one of those heroes that was listed there in chapter 11. It is the same moment that defines each of the people who we personally know who have died in the faith and gone before us. And it is that same moment that will define every single one of us who by faith will come after us. And that moment, you know, is Christ Jesus on the cross. That is the defining moment of your life. It's why in the time of Lent, we remember the death of our Lord. It's why when we are baptized, we are told we are united to Christ's death. It's why when we come to the table, we proclaim Christ's death. These witnesses weren't given to us so that we can hope to have our own moment to be remembered. The witnesses were given because for as great as those moments were in that time, it was not made perfect until Christ Jesus came and united all of us together in the moment that defines us on the cross. And now in Christ, we don't just get the victory, the forgiveness of sins, the eternal life, the, dis, the, the slaying of Satan. Instead, what we get is more than that. We get the togetherness the oneness that all of us forever and ever in faith will be together. What Christ has done has opened the way into the very presence of God for each one of us, those who came before and those who come after us, to be together forever through Christ Jesus. To have faith in that is to trust Jesus to do what He promised he was doing there on the cross and to fix our eyes on him and follow him together. Chapter 12 says we were surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses 
They have come before us. So let's throw off everything that hinders, that sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorned its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. To be a person of faith, to be a part of the cloud of witnesses is to have faith, which means to trust and to look to Jesus. Yes, sin holds us back. And there are things also in this life that aren't sin, that are merely hindrances that try to entangle us. Choices between what is right and wrong, between something that is, is there. Throw it off. Don't let it get in between you and fixing your eyes on Jesus. Lay it aside. You know what's on your heart. You know what you have been struggling with. You don't come to the Lenten services because you want to feel like everything is going good. You come because you know you are broken and only in Christ Jesus can you be healed. Stop holding on to it. Throw it off and run. And see that? See what it says there? It says, let us run. It's not singular. You aren't alone. You run together with those who have gone before you, with those who stand beside you, and you better believe you run with Christ Jesus, who when he says, take my yoke upon you, isn't the one whipping you in the back, is the one right next to you wearing the yoke alongside you. And it's these examples of faith, of how they have endured through difficulty and discouragement, and yet they received the promise that is what matters. Because the promise, friends, is yours already, given to you, not by what you have done, not by what has happened to you, but by Christ Jesus alone. All of us, those who have come before and those who come after, will die. These, they died in faith, but they too will rise. They will rise in faith. And we we will live in faith and we too will die in faith and we too with them shall rise in faith. And so tonight, as you get to come forward and light a candle to remember someone who has gone before you in faith, you light that candle not just because we are sad or because we're trying to honor them. You light that candle because of what is inside of them. What was inside of them was the light of Jesus Christ. And that light rests inside of each one of you as well. There is no accidents. There are no mistakes. You, you now get to be the cloud of witnesses. You will show others what it means in this dark time to shine for Jesus Christ. That is your... That is why you are here. To embrace, like they did, a life of faith. A life that is lived in, with, and through Jesus Christ. The one who has done it for you. So yes, let's come forward. Let us remember and let us leave tonight excited eager to share what Christ Jesus has done for each one of us. Christ Jesus who is.
the light of the world. Amen.
Thanks so much for listening and praying with us. Please be sure to follow or subscribe to this podcast so that you can be notified of our most recent episodes and experience our other programs, including Sunday morning messages, Bible study, teachings, and more. If you'd like to partner with us by offering a gift to help us deliver the restorative hope of Jesus, you can support us through Venmo at St. John's Orange. Or if you'd just like to learn more and stay connected, please visit our website at stjohnsorange.org and find your place here at St. John's. Thanks so much for listening, and the highest graced and everlasting love of Christ Jesus our Lord accompany and bless you.